I wanted to jump in very quickly before you enjoy the edition of 15 Minutes with a Mentor to tell you about the newsletter that we recently launched at Recruitment Mentors a few weeks ago. It's called Limitless Learning and the whole premise and and, and purpose of it is to directly send you practical advice, tips and tactics directly into your inbox that can help you improve as a recruiter. The feedback so far from the three editions that we've released have been fantastic. For example, the last edition was on five questions you can ask on a business development call and why. And I want to tell you about it so you can join it. You can subscribe completely free. You can go to recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless hyphen learning. That's recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless learning or you can go on recruitmentmentors.com and you'll get hit with one of those pop-up messages where you can sign up but i want to tell you about it if you're here to learn and develop then why not get direct tips and advice directly into your inbox so sign up and join the thousands of other recruiters that already signed up that are motivated to be better than yesterday enjoy the episode Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. We're back with another edition of the 15 Minutes of a Mentor series where we interview some of the brilliant mentors that we've onboarded and welcome to the Recruitment Mentors community platform. And in this series, really simply, we ask seven questions in 15 minutes to find out things like how they've overcome some of their biggest challenges to what's been the most successful way for them to, to win business. I'm joined by Andy Davis today, but before... I asked Andy the first question, and if you could introduce yourself for those that may not know who you are, and then we'll get into it. No problem. Afternoon, Hisham. Thanks for inviting me on here for starters. Um, so as Hisham said, I'm Andy Davis. I'm the director of Highfield Professional Solutions and DataX Connect, part of the same group. Highfield Professional Solutions, for those that don't know, is a built environment specialist based down near Southampton in a little village called Durley. Um, we special, we work with leading consultancies across the world and DataX Connect is a data center recruitment specialist that we rebranded last year, I think, during lockdown. And we recruit specifically for the data center industry across the world. That's, that's us. And you have your own podcast and stuff like that as well, don't you? I do have my own data center podcast. If anyone's interested in data centers, <laughs> inside, inside data center podcast, check it out. Yeah, man, uh, I love that. Yeah, definitely doing stuff differently, I feel like, from what I can see. Yeah, trying, trying to be ahead of the head of the curve, I guess, and trying to come up with new ideas that attract business and attract candidates. That's the end goal for all of us. Yeah. So first question, what has been your biggest challenge so far this year and how have you overcome it? I think everyone probably goes down the same line with these questions. I'm a father of three children, so you can imagine what my life was like last year trying to work from home while my wife was working at home. But I'll I'll try and take a different slant on it, I guess. I think as a manager or a leader of a business, one of the hardest things I've found is focus. I think Mm. it's really hard to focus on the smaller details when you've got such a big problem going on in the world you know covid was a massive issue for everybody for our businesses for our staff uh, for our clients every every element of our 
organization was hit in some way or another and obviously all our personal lives as well so what i found difficult and challenging but also rewarding was focusing on the small points that were big decisions that we had to make at, at any one time you know we were making pretty drastic decisions with regards to whether it's our employees whether it's remote working or any element of it and we had to make that decision pretty quickly and it was essential that we were really focused on those decisions with the end game or the long the long term view as opposed to that that micro moment in time i think we did pretty well you know we had a really successful year last year and we're continuing that this year so overall i think we made the right decisions but it was from my point of view it was really hard to actually sometimes focus on those decisions while you've got so many other things going on in your world at the same time yeah, yeah that's really interesting so, so the next question i have for you so we've all seen we've been absolutely pulled to death around flexible working <laughs> work from home and that but i think people people are the reason why there's so many is people are interested right so i, I i'm just interested to ask this as a second question so like in the sort of world that you recruit in and the lens that you see um, your markets, and you can also speak from your own perspective as a, as a recruitment business, but like, how do you see the future of work? Is it fully remote? Is it hybrid? Is it back in the office? Combination of all of them? Or like, how do you see the future of work and why? Great question. I think, to be honest, it's very individual. I think it's individual from a person perspective and also from a business perspective. Some businesses operate better in, a, in an office environment. Some businesses operate better from a remote environment. I was reading something the other day about uh, an investment trading business that's made more money remote trading than they made in the office. Now, I can yeah. imagine that the, the owner of that hedge fund or that is, is definitely going to remain remote because they've made more <laughs> money. But equally, there'll be businesses that have made less money. So it's a slightly different conversation. From, um, from our perspective, we had a flexible approach prior to COVID. Um, I think what COVID did was give everyone the opportunity to try out working from home because they were forced mm. to. We had the office open for, uh, except for the first lockdown, lockdown, the office has been open the whole time and, and the majority of people came back to the office voluntarily. And I think that says quite a lot equally about our environment, but also about how people struggled with the, the whole work from home, live at home, not go out and never never do anything socially. So they wanted that social element, which would again will be different in the normal world because they'll they'll be able to go out in the evening. So they they'll probably enjoy being at home more. Um, from the sectors I work in, the biggest we do a lot of international, which involves a hell of a lot of travel. So the the main benefit that my clients are saying is that they if they've got a meeting today in in Amsterdam or Frankfurt or Sweden, they can jump on Teams, whereas previously they would be mm. flying to Sweden for an hour meeting yeah. and flying back. And the whole concept of that seems crazy, but yeah, yeah so I think yeah. that, no, that I, I, my overall view is it will be a, a flexible approach and certain yeah, businesses sure. will take, yeah, certain businesses yes. will take different views. I don't know if you saw this, but yeah, I saw, um, I saw, I think it was an article that came out this week. It was specific to London about sort of offices space turned, being turned into flats and stuff. Yeah. Well, that would be interesting. To, I spoke to a guy that works for a, global investment real estate business yesterday and they've just gone back to london to their office so really? it's start it's starting to happen now and they and he his reason for calling me was actually because he uh, doesn't want to be back in the office in london and want <laughs> classic <laughs> yeah so i said i said we're well, we getting more of these calls no doubt but it's definitely yeah, yeah. it's definitely happening people are going back yeah. and 
And I always think it's easier to, it's harder to make a decision when you've got choice. You, at the moment, you have no choice. You have to offer it. Yeah. In a year when hopefully things are a bit more normal, you won't have the choice and businesses will make a different decision, I think. Yeah, for sure. So next question is, what has been the most effective way for you or your team, you could talk a bit from that perspective, to, to win business so far this year? What's been the most effective way for you guys? I think what we've, what we've had a lot of this year is the relationships that we already had. So the relationships we maintained during the last 12 months and, and went out of our way to do more of a relationship-based approach, I guess, has, has paid off. Um, with regards to new business, I think, as you know, I'm quite big on marketing. I think the podcast has a massive effect for our data center business. Our branding on LinkedIn has a, a big impact um, for that business as well. So I think it's multiple factors, but my view is that businesses and organizations have gone much more down the niche specialist route now. Um, the, the market's changed again. This happened, I've been in it 20 years and this happened previously and then it went back to that volume-based kind of working with the, the larger organizations. It's gone more niche now. So I think the fact that we are experts in the sectors we work in helps massively and a lot of the conversations I have with clients are now down that route. You know, what can you do in, in that space as opposed to the whole of recruitment? Yeah, yeah, got that. And and just really quickly, because we've had relationships come up a lot on this answer. So I'm just keen to ask your thoughts on this very quickly, because I'm sure you help your consultants with this. Like, how do you make sure that you look at the macro relationship benefit over the sort of micro maybe feelings of this is taking too long or I need a win? Do you get what I mean? Because I think it's easy to say now relationships, but for those people that are listening that you know how it is like you're not getting where you'd like to be you'd like to be in an, um yeah you just you'd like to know that it's definitely going to help help you in the future like i don't know how what's your typical advice for recruiters that come to you like when is this relationship going to pay off like how do i know this is the right way that sort of macro micro i, I think it's easier when you've been in it a long time because you do look back you know some of my clients now were my candidates 20 years ago and they're now yeah, MD, they're, they're now mds of business units or or regions or countries and and obviously that pays off significantly because you've maintained that relationship so i think you always have to have the longer term goal but equally i totally understand your point and there are times when it's not worth the, the effort and you need to judge yeah. it probably on an individual you know is that business one you want to work with long term if it is and it's worth the effort if that business is a something you see as a short-term hit then it's probably not worth the effort so i guess you just have to review it on a case by case but you know providing a good service gets a long way in this industry your yeah. reputation is everything you've got if you haven't got a reputation yeah. in, in a good reputation in recruitment <laughs> you're not going to be very successful you're going to struggle yeah so, so my next question is i want to cast you back to 2001 match tech <laughs> good old days <laughs> the good old days and like I, I just love asking this question like what advice would you give Andy Davis going into that first year in recruitment at Match Tech. Like, what advice would you give him if you could go back? Well, I'm a classic fell into recruitment. You know, I didn't even know what recruitment was when I got the job. I just saw the advert with the OTE on and thought, I'll give that a crack. I was working in <laughs> I was working in sales, selling advertising. Um, so I think, you know, there's loads I could say along the lines of work harder, put more effort in, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But I think the main thing I say to people now that are in is look at the, the career that it can offer. 
you know, I'd, I had no idea that 20 years later I'd still be in the same industry, still really enjoying the industry and still, you know, making an impact, I guess. So I think if you're entering it now, the, the main thing is to understand the size of the industry, what you're actually doing, and that you are genuinely making an impact to people, organisations, everything like that. I think when I started, it was a different world. You know, it was a phone bashing you know transactional yeah totally transactional business and sector no one really knew where it was going to go you know match tech were one of a few businesses at the time that were really starting to make waves in in the industry and now there's so many different opportunities you don't need to work for one of those you can go for a niche specialist you can do you know international you can do whatever you want really so i think it's more just look at the career don't just think about the you know where you are right now if that's what you want to do yeah nice so the next question is a bit it's a bit more of a it's a less serious one so i've been so so i want to know from you what's the sort of um what comes up for you when i say funniest candidate excuse you've heard in your career <laughs> um i had someone whose grand died twice wow so they, they, pulled, <laughs> they pulled out they pulled out of one this was contra- classic contract. They pulled out one uh, one job. This was years ago as well, when their grand died. And then, you, obviously, on the system, you can see the notes. And yeah, a year later, you think, "I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened before." I did. To be fair, I didn't go through the point of obviously he could have had more than one grand. I just like, accept. I accepted it and moved on. But yeah, I've had some classics. I've had um, I had one not not myself, but someone that worked for a business that I worked for. They recruited two people for a job in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, this was years ago. Saudi Arabia, dry country. The candidates got um, slightly intoxicated on the flight and were fired on landing and sent home. Wow. So not, not quite, a, <laughs> not, not, a not quite an excuse. But, oh, uh, you'd be fuming, wouldn't you? You'd be absolutely fuming. <laughs> right, yeah, so, 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 next, so, so um, next question is a bit more of a scenario, and I'm just keen to hear how you'd approach this scenario. So the scenario is... A particular business that you've been trying to get in with for some time they're 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 a great brand you're confident that you can help them um and they finally bite may have come back from a mail short you might have approached them about the podcast etc but the relevant person in that business that you need to be building a relationship with and speaking to comes back to you you get a call booked in um you're on that call it's going well gets to crunch time and they said, look, Andy, it's been great to speak to you. Love what you're doing. But at the moment, we only work with agencies on um, a PSL. So I guess I just want to hear from you. Like, How would you approach that conversation and navigate that after getting that? The first thing I think of in that scenario is, well, why did you why did you approach me in the first place? Mm. Now, there's, there's a reason why they've started that process. If they're communicating back with me, I always say to, to the team and I always think to myself, if you get a bite on something, then it – the old cheesy, so you know, it's a buying signal. There is interest there. So the first question I would ask was obviously, yeah, that's that's great, but can you clarify why you wanted to have this conversation? Because if you wanted to have this conversation, you obviously are having issues with your existing supply chain. So what yeah. are the prob- what are the problems, and how could we potentially address them? I think in a lot of the markets we work in, because we are so niche, we just go down the niche. You know, we say mm. we've got a network in this in this sector we know people in this sector uh, you know i'd drop names in of people we work with i'd throw you know people that i can get testimonials from kind of go the full the full hog i suppose to explain that 
you should work with us because we're very good at what we do. This is what we can do. And if there's any roles you're really struggling with, give us that opportunity and we'll, and we'll prove we can do it. But I think the main point, I would put it back on them and say, why did you oh, want yeah, to have nice. this conversation? But I, get, but I do think, and I would say this, it's a lot easier to have those difficult conversations when you've got more experience. Mm. You know, I, I think you go into a meeting when you, and I remember doing them when I started with, you're, you're kind of excited that you've got the meeting, hopeful that you're going to get something out of it, but equally a bit panicked that you think, oh no, anything could happen in this. And, and you don't necessarily have all the answers when they ask the questions. Um, so I think it's just a case of if you're at that, you know, you're not as confident level. It's more to sort of be very confident in your ability to offer a better service than what they're already getting. Everybody wants a better service. If you can get a better service for anything, you will change, you'll move away from whatever brand it is you're working with. So just be, you know, really confident that you think you can do a better job than their existing suppliers and ask for the opportunity to do it and then prove it. And then they'll come yeah, back to that. you again and again and again and again. Yeah, I love that. And as you do it, as you, as you do recruitment more, you get more belief, which helps with yeah. all of that. And that's, that I think, yeah, that's what I yeah. mean by the, the confidence piece is really, really important. And I think it is yeah. anything, you know, don't use the fear for confidence. Don't be fearful of what, what's going to happen. Cause if you're fearful, you, you kind of go into a shell and everyone does it. And, but if you're confident and you think, well, I know I can do a better job than your suppliers. I know who your suppliers are. I've spoken to your line managers. They all say they need someone better. You've come back to me. So you obviously want to have this conversation. So let me prove it. Yeah. And I think also if I, if I could go back as I built confidence, I think like as well, I would put less weight on like signing terms or obviously that's what you want to do. But I think if, like early on you really double down on like what can i improve yeah. um out of having these conversations like in terms of looking back like what what could i have said better or how do i handle that and really focus on the actual process rather than putting too much weight on the outcome i feel like i would have been less nervous and like i would have been more like do you know what i mean because it's back to your point like if you don't have less experience sometimes you can put too much weight on the outcome which means you do maybe lack a bit of confidence or you freeze yeah. up or it's, yeah, so I think that would that would be something I'd probably say to myself on that as well. No, it, it is hard, and still now, you know, we can you can be thrown into a meeting at any point, especially now on Teams. You know, I can get a, an email now from a director for business saying you're yeah. available in an hour for a chat, and you don't have that prep time. But you've just got to be confident in your ability. And I think if you're a good recruiter, you, you're going to be confident. Most recruiters are confident, and and if you're good, you, you you're obviously good at your job. It's just proving that. And that's, that can be hard in a meeting. I do agree. But yeah. Just, I'll just say have that confidence. Yeah, I love that. So final question is, so a bit back to your sort of answer to the first question, but a real popular sort of development area that we continue to get from recruiters inside the community is time management, is prioritization, organization. So I was just keen to hear from you really, like what, what sort of non-negotiable do you live by each day? that you sort of really feel like has had a, a real positive impact on your productivity or really helps you make sure you sort of squeeze as much juice out of the day as possible? I'm not a big planner, so I'm not, I'm not great for this one, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a list ticker. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I have a list of what I've got to do every day and the worst jobs are at the top of that list. And I nice. basically come in every morning, I look at my list, I bang out the worst jobs as quickly as I can, get them off my desk, and then I focus on the 
on the good stuff that's going to actually bring in some value. But I think the the main point I would make on that is that you should be a good planner. You know, I'm I've been in it a long game, and we a long time. We weren't necessarily trained to be that great at planning. I think planning prep again for meetings. You know, I'll prep fully on that client. It's things like that that just can add so much to your day and make you more productive. If you if you if you're winging it, it you know we all do a bad job when we wing it. <laughs> I love that, Andy. That was 15 minutes of a mentor. Thank you. Pleasure. Keep up the good work.